This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, October 17th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The conspiracies run hot around this White House. Jesse Walker, author of The United States of Paranoia, says it's easy for us to say that this, right now, is the golden age of conspiratorial thinking. And yet, he argues, widespread, politically impactful conspiracy theories have been with us and our politics for a very long time. The president has 87 million Twitter followers. And just as I was setting up this recording uh, with you this week, the president tweeted out a a story that made some very strange claims. I I believe this was from a QAnon uh, conspiracy account that Osama bin Laden was not killed by SEAL Team 6, that in fact it was a body double and that uh, members of SEAL Team 6 had then been killed by the previous administration. That seems insane. I I gather there are some intense debates going on now between the uh, defenders of uh, SEAL Team 6 who want to say, no, they really did get this... um, get this kill, even though we hate Obama, versus the people who are saying, no, 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 it was all a great fraud. Um, but yes, it, it's I, this is not one of the plausible conspiracy theories you might run into from time to time, even if it has been apparently embraced for this moment, this morning at least, by the President of the United States. So uh, when we hear uh, conspiracy theories uh, thrown out there, First of all, we have to admit, as even Robert Anton Wilson, the great connoisseur of conspiracy theories, would admit, there are a lot of conspiracies out there. Yeah, sure. People conspire. It's in the language for a reason. <laughs> so uh, w- when we hear these kind of kinds of theories that surround uh, politics, uh, how do you think about them? Like uh, things like Trump's tweet or... For example... You know, yeah, well, I mean, that's just um, that's the sort of story that people just kind of generate. And some of them, a lot of them are generated basically by people um, trying to get, you know, clicks or in the past it would have been trying to sell newsletters or something like that and feeding people what they want to hear. And sometimes they're generated by people just speculating um, wildly in ways that have more to do with, you know, their own internalized um, preferences, what they want the world to look like um, than any sort of familiarity with what evidence or or the tenets of investigative journalism or anything that would expose a real conspiracy would look like. So, and, you know, Trump is such a purely reactive guy. I mean, he sees something that seems to reinforce what he thinks or what he wants people to think. And he's got that kind of magical thinking to him where if you say something enough times it'll be true so he's constantly signal boosting this stuff i don't know if he believes it at the moment that he retweets it and then forgets it when he retweets something contradictory or if he never believes it and it's purely i mean he probably doesn't even begin to believe the stuff you know but who knows um he's he's just a bundle of impulses so I mean, in this particular case, it's like this intersection of these people who have their own reasons for generating these stories, people who have ideological reasons for believing them, and a president who is not very um, discerning in in what he chooses to share with his followers, at least not very discerning along the lines of truth. 
Um, of course, that's not the only kind of conspiracy theory there is, but yeah. What what have been you wrote a book about conspiracy theories, some popular, some unpopular, at least within the United States. What's been the most widely believed conspiracy theory out there? The most widely believed conspiracy theories are the ones that people don't call conspiracy theories because they're so widely believed. They're just taken as being um, part of the, you know, the, the firmament. The, the, you know, of, of course, that's happening. Let's just sort of assume we're not counting conspiracies that really exist. I won't call you a conspiracy theorist for believing in Watergate or Iran Contra or something that everyone sort of acknowledges was there. I mean, a lot of uh, the stories going on right now about human trafficking, I mean, the, the more bizarre and extreme ones um, are, the, are the QAnon type ones, which are a very much a minority taste. Um, I mean, I, there have been some kind of sloppy polls that suggest they're more popular than they are. But the general idea of these sort of vast um, human trafficking networks that are, you know, not just not just the existence of human traffickers, which of course exists, but are like stalking WalMarts to uh, seize your children while your back is turned. I mean, that kind of stuff's been all over Facebook for years. Sometimes it gets uncritically signal boosted by local news um, stations and some versions of it. I mean, I mean sometimes the police will throw cold water on it, but other times they'll signal boost it or they'll cold, throw cold water on it and then say, but you should keep, of course, you should keep um, your eyes out, you know, and, and be alert for anything that might happen because, you know, God forbid that you uh, <laughs> say yeah, that's not true. And then someone gets kidnapped and everyone freaks out. And then the slightly more toned down stuff, of course, is used by police agencies and politicians to um, build up their power. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the authorities that they have under under the law um, to arrest and charge people, and that's not an, an unusual thing. I I'd say human trafficking because that's recent, but we've seen versions of this happen. You know, with like building up the the, the drug war, um, you know, at, at the various red scares and brown scares that at different times have built up. You know, the the FBI's power over the past century, and I sometimes people can look back and realize, oh yeah, we all believed in a dubious conspiracy theory. Like um, after the 1980s, at the time of the 1980s, it was widely believed that these satanic cults were everywhere, um, molesting kids, infiltrating daycare centers, maybe even doing human sacrifices. And I was told that playing Dungeons and Dragons was uh, pretty much a direct path into Satanism when I was a kid. Sure. I mean, if, if you, uh, you, you, one moment you're casting a spell for your druid and the next you're you know, out in the woods casting a real spell. Um, but yeah, so this was, uh, you know, people went to jail, you know, and there were, I mean, for decades, sometimes some of them not let out till very recently. You had, um, uh, you know, TV shows like 2020 doing incredible, and, and, and Geraldo and so on. But uh, forget Geraldo, because everyone expects Geraldo to be um, a sensationalist. But, you know, 2020, uh, nighttime news magazine show, Hugh Downs is there, widely respected. Barbara Walters, you know, doing this in, this uh, report on Satanism in the mid to late 1980s. I don't remember the exact year, um, which uh, had like no critical voices and made some of the most absurd claims you could imagine. They talked about sacrifices and like the guy and the reporter just uh, says, well, they haven't found the bodies yet, but maybe it's because they're disposing of them in this way. I mean, it's just it's 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 insane to watch nowadays. Um, 
And so, you know, but that was the mainstream. Nowadays, people who remember that, um, you know, can say, can look back and say, oh, yeah, that, that happened. That was strange. That was uh, uh, a widely believed conspiracy theory. In the 1980s, very few people, I mean, there were skeptics, you know, who posted articles saying, um, you know, this is, this is nonsense, you know, popped up in places like The Humanist. I saw one in a police magazine telling other policemen, don't, please don't take this stuff seriously that people are tr- sending around. Um, but it's, uh, if you ask people then to say, what's a conspiracy theory, they'd say, oh, the JFK assassination, uh, which was very widely believed, like the 80%, um, in one poll in like 1983, uh, believed that some sort of conspiracy, they didn't agree on which one killed Kennedy, but, um, people say, Oh, the, uh, you know, CIA weather control, or, you know, I mean, people could have mentioned all these, um, ideas that were, um, usually unpopular. And even if they were popular, like the JFK one sort of looked down upon in the mainstream, they were not going to bring up the one that the mainstream was embracing because conspiracy theory has become a pejorative term. And so people don't associate it with the ones that are widely believed and embraced by big institutions. Do you think the last five years have been different with respect to uh, conspiracy theories, their dissemination, their uh, the the willingness of politicians to uh, openly flirt with conspiracy theories? So I think there's been a spike, probably. Um, there's um, there's there's two. You asked about the next, the last five years. That's that's the better question. A lot of people think it's the internet, and they'll think it's been steadily increasing since the '90s. And I don't think there's good evidence for that. Um, but I I do think that uh, there are good reasons to think that it, it's been spiking recently. Um, and in part, that's because um, I mean, the Donald Trump is. I mean, he's certainly not the first. Um, president to espouse conspiracy theories, but he's utterly shameless about it. He doesn't care if they're reputable. He doesn't care if his source is some QAnon account he's retweeting or, you know, or the National Enquirer, as he did with the thing about Ted Cruz's dad and the JFK assassination. So that's, and, you know, whoever is sort of the leader of a, of a party sets the tone for, you know, half the country or half the politically engaged country. But then Beyond that, I, I think that before I was talking about what's reputable and what's not, and, and one sort of uh, artifact of the sort of media and political sorting um, of, of the last several years is that um, something can be reputable among the Fox watching um, public, but not the MSNBC watching public. It can be rep and vice versa. You know, a lot of the sort of more absurd Russiagate stuff that Rachel Maddow was promoting um, was completely reputable, at least for a while, um, on one side of the aisle and considered utter crankery on, on the other. And and so we've got this kind of, you know, dueling public's effect. Um, and I hate any talk of two Americas because there's so much more than two Americas. And it's not like everybody is either a Fox watcher or an MSNBC watcher. Most people don't watch either one, frankly. Um, but it's... Um, but in terms of like how elite institutions behave and how they set the tone, I think that could have an impact as well. So something that when you, if you see a lot more people, you know, politicians saying things that seem disreputable to you, well, maybe it's not it's less disreputable than in, in their circles. I, sh- I should add, though, 
there's always some politicians who are willing to be just disreputable, period. We're probably going to have, um, as of next year, a congresswoman from Georgia who has a past as a QAnon believer. And she has sort of backed down from that now, but she was willing to believe that stuff and she's believed a lot of other stuff, you know. Uh, but it's not, I mean, we've in the past, we've had, uh, you know, Bircher consp- uh, uh, congressman, we've, we've had um, some conspiracy theorists on the left in Congress. I mean, if sometimes um, either due to quirks that show up when people don't expect them to, I mean, after a while, or just because it's a very safe district and um, a lot of stuff that's sort of taken as a matter of faith at the party grassroots, um, but not elsewhere, are more likely to be you know, rewarded at the ballot box or at least not punished. Um, you're going to have some people pop in. So that's, that's why you have 50 years ago, John Schmitz uh, was uh, you know, a congressman from California and ran in 1972 on a sort of Birchite um, presidential ticket got more than a million votes. Later, drifted off towards the Holocaust denial crowd and so on. Although that that I believe was after he was in Congress. But you know, I mean, he was coming from this intensely conservative um, part of Southern California. Cynthia McKinney uh, in Georgia, coming from the other direction politically. At least back then. Now she's all over the place politically. But again, she was coming from a community that was not going to be as put off by the stuff she was saying about the Bush administration and 9-11 and so on. You said that you don't think that there's a lot of evidence that the internet itself, and maybe we want to separate off uh, social media from the, the internet for the purposes of this discussion, but the internet certainly empowers information, uh, whether false or true, to travel much faster uh, than it could have in the early 90s or or the 80s. Is there anything you can put your finger on to say, here's here's a good reason why we're seeing, we seem to be seeing a lot more conspiracy theories being given credence, I mean, even ridiculous conspiracy theories given more credence uh, than they would have been given years ago? Well, the internet has sped up the production of conspiracy theories. It's also sped up the disposal of them. And it's not completely clear if you know one outweighs the other. But I mean, in looking just at public opinion surveys um, uh, and, uh, and other measures, um, I, there's just no sign of like there being a takeoff in cons- various conspiracy theories popularity after you know the internet was the mass adoption of the internet. Um, and I think, um, and I'm not convinced it's true that. We're, I mean, I'm saying there's sort of a spike in the Trump era, but I don't think that's likely to be a permanent spike. I think there are spikes at different points in time. Um, there was a spike around Watergate. There was a spike in the early Cold War. Um, and I think there, there's a number of reasons now um, why we could see a spike, you know, in, in, at this moment in time. But I don't think that's a permanent condition. And I think a lot of what people are seeing in terms of I mean, my book, you know, came out in 2013. And back then, everyone was saying, well, lucky you, this came out at this intense time of conspiracy theories. Aren't you glad it came out this year? It's just perfect for you. Um, now it's 2020. Do you think of 2013 as a golden age of conspiracy theories? No. See, 
You know, and there were reasons. I mean, we had a very big real conspiracy exposed just as it was coming out. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking of. 2013. Oh, that's when uh, we were told that the government was spying on Americans in mass. Yeah. But, you know, if I had said if it had come out two years earlier, people would say, wow, you're the birchers. It's the perfect moment. You know, if it had. I mean, it's always supposed to be a golden age of conspiracy theories because most of these things people forget, even if they believe them. A lot of times people forget them. Um, and people who aren't really politically engaged are certainly quick to forget them or else they remember them in this kind of, you know, way that it, I mean, like people have all sorts of people who are not totally politically engaged often have very strange, uh, what will look like someone who is really politically engaged, uh, memories of what, you know, the last 30 years or whatever politics looks like, just because they were not constantly plugged into this, um, this churn that, that, that we are. And in some t- ways that can be, um, it makes it more sane uh, because they don't remember these big flare ups for a week that wound up being a tempest in a teapot. Is is part of that just, is part of that just that uh, these commitments to uh, appreciating the reality of a phony conspiracy theory, the, these commitments are just pretty weak among most people? Yeah, I mean, or, or even if they... Um, but it's also true. People might remember something that was totally debunked and everyone who was plugged in thought it was um, sort of recognized that it was debunked, but it stuck around because they read an article and then they didn't read the follow up. It can, it can cut both ways. But um, I mean, but in general, people just forget what the manias are. I mean, I, I, people, uh, I have to remind people about the satanic panic usually. I mean, not people who write about this stuff as well, but um, and younger people, you know, don't know what happened um, unless they happen to be deeply interested in reading these histories. And then the flip side is, I mean, sometimes things do stick around like the um, this is not a conspiracy thing, but it's kind of a sort of more ethereal um, sort of paranoia. But you remember the um, when people thought that Jared Lee Loughner, um, when he um, did that mass shooting, including, you know, hitting Giffords um, down in the southwest, that he had been inspired by this um, map that Sarah Palin had distributed, which had targets over these different parts of the country. It was like vaguely targets. of These were like the um, incumbent Democrats they were targeting, you know. Um, it's a, kind of a familiar metaphor, and someone immediately dug up a similar thing where you know, a Democrat, had, uh, you know, similar graphic. And some people said, yes, but the Democrats graphic looks like uh, the target for a, uh, a bow and arrow. And this one looks like a for a gun. It became this stupid back and forth. But then it became clear. I mean, first of all, it was unlikely. It was extremely unlikely that he had even seen this map. But then when his worldview came out, it turned out he was not plugged into red versus blue politics at all. He was had all these extremely cranky ideas about money and, you know, fakeness of reality and so on. And it, it was just a complete, he was not on the left, right. I, the phrase I used when I was covering it at the time was new age paranoia. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a, a totally different um, mindset, but every now and then someone will pop up and say, Oh yeah. And there was that, that guy who shot the person because of the target. I mean, people remembered the initial wave of stories and they didn't necessarily see the debunking. Um, but then again, the people who do that, they don't remember that as, as a paranoid story. They think it's true. Um, so anyway, I've gone way off on a tangent here. The, the important thing was that um, it's always supposed to be a golden age and, of, of conspiracy theories. And I won't be surprised if people 
remember there, a lot of the stuff around the Trump era just because the Trump era is so weird in so many ways. Um, so weird that we've actually already forgotten probably half the things that have happened that ordinarily we would remember for years because things come one after another. But people will remember that there were a lot of strange conspiracy theories in the same way a lot of people remember, oh, yeah, right around Watergate, there were a lot of conspiracy theories. Like they were popping up in, in movies and so, yeah. But that it's kind of rare for it to sort of really sear public memory that way. And, and, and I, I, I don't even know if... Um, I won't even firmly predict that people will remember this because people's capacity for amnesia is stunning. Historically, is there a conspiracy theory that was at once false and incredibly politically impactful? Sure. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, my book goes back to the days of the colonies um, and the uh, conspiracy theories people had about, you know, Indians. Um, and about people allegedly plotting slave revolts and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, places where boundaries were born, uh, were, were drawn, were impacted by conspiracy theories. Uh, laws were passed that were impacted by conspiracy theories. The first union of English colonies, the New England Confederation, uh, was, was formed in the, in the wake of the Pequot War in, in, for, in part because of, you know, the, the sort of conspiratorial fears of, um, of uh, sort of a unified Indian plotters who might attack and, and, and the need to unify. I mean, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence is shot through with conspiracy theories. They don't just list all the abuses of the king. Um, they outright say that it, it, was, it, it was a plan, that, they're, that, they're, that they added up to um, an attempt to bring uh, the colonists under despotism, and that prompted a revolution. Um, the lead up to the Civil War was filled with conspiracy theories on both the northern side and the southern side. Pretty much every crisis produces conspiracy theories. And then the conspiracy theory, there can be a feedback loop where that intensifies or in some cases sort of launches uh, the crisis. So it's um, once you realize that they're present in every um, period of history, the question stops being, you know, are any conspiracy theories being impactful? It's, okay, what are the conspiracy theories here and what impact are they having? Jesse Walker is the books editor at Reason Magazine. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.